listeners, this is PSG Talk contributor Mark Damon, and this is a super PSG small talk for Saturday, September 1st, 2018. I am joined by PSG Talk contributors Eduardo Razo and John Olangi, and we discuss the just-completed PSG victory over Olympic Nîmes, or Nîmes Olympique. Uh, we talk about the transfer window, probably in more positive terms than most of you are ready for. But we also discuss the Champions League draw. It is a packed show. But before we get to it, I need to do some plugs. Make sure to follow PSG Talk on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to our podcast. PSG Talking will come out with a new episode sometime next week. Um, Make sure to stay on that feed for the debut of Neymar the Iconoclast. We are just about done. I have to do some more recordings with Chase tonight. And that should be available probably during the international break towards the end of it. Uh, We will keep you informed on that. Remember, if you are a Patreon member, not only do you get the first episode of Keeping the Energy, you also will get that show, the Neymar Iconoclast show, before anyone else, at least three to four days before anyone else does. And you will also get the four-plus hours me and Chase did talking about Neymar to prepare for the show. So, make sure to go to psgtalk.com, click on the Support PSG Talk link, and uh, contribute to our Patreon for that and for more perks. With that being said, on with the show. Eddie, that that game was uh, way more interesting than it had any right to be. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, kudos to Nimes. They didn't roll over down to nothing. And, you know, this is what I like. I like to see PSG get challenged and, you know, you know, get some adversity early on and see what they're made of. But, man, that was it was a really good game, but uh, too close for my liking. Yeah, John, it was just I felt like about the 55th minute, I think PSG thought they had the game won. And I think they just sort of took their foot off the gas a bit. And just memes attacked. They they were waiting for PSG to. Wow. Uh, hopefully that person gets a ticket. Um, so, 60th minute. I think they take their foot off the gas. I think memes were waiting for PSG to sort of to back off a little bit, and they pounced. Good good on them. Um, not good on them that they decided to play uh, Hack and Mbappe today. Which I thought was a little uh, beneath them. I think Nimes are. I think Nimes have enough quality where they don't have to do that. But um, John, uh, what are you going to take from this game? There's, there's a lot to take from it. But what's the the number one thing you take from this game? Well, from a Nimes perspective, I think they're a formidable opponent for any league on team. Obviously, um, they beat Marseille. You know, yeah, they beat Marseille, and you know they 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 you know stuck in it with Toulouse, and you know they gave PSG a challenge today, but you know it it felt like a, a cut match, right? Like a, a, a bottom division team, you know, fighting like hell and playing a little dirty sometimes and being real chippy. But again, just like Eddie said, I don't mind it because I feel like this these are the type of matches PSG need to play and learn from. But they can't they can't uh, fold to the pressure or the physicality from a from a team like that. that 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 part I'm not happy about that that can't happen. But I do like that they were tested today and they grounded out another win. Like it's uh, it's, it's fascinating from that perspective how like these first four matches have been fun to watch where PSG usually just walk through teams. So um, it was another fun game. I didn't like some things, but uh, overall it was a fun game to watch. Yeah, they're still trying to figure things out, I think. Um, they've started fairly slow in the first four games, um, in the first halves. Uh, I thought they actually had a good first half. I thought memes were, they were aggressive, they were fouling, PSG were getting upset about it, and that's what they normally do. And it's in. I think people don't understand how hard it is if you're a team like PSG to just kind of shut up and let the refs handle the game, because Liga is a really different kind of league when it comes to that. Like La Liga will protect the top teams. Uh, Liga does not protect the top teams. In fact, the refereeing in Liga is basically designed to allow these lesser teams to have a chance. If you ever watch. 
you know, you'll watch these league on games and you'll see a lot of these lower teams getting away with stuff that you wouldn't think they normally would. So if I'm PSG, I, I should be a little upset because again, the ref is not doing the proper job. Uh, the fact that Neem only got one yellow card in that game, I think was really disgraceful. And we'll get to Mbappe towards the end of this, but I thought they handled it well in the first half. But, Eddie, we talk, we've talk, we watched PSG for years, and there's always that five- to ten-minute stretch in games where they just sort of collapse mentally. Yeah. And this was another yeah. example of one of those moments. Yeah, the I think after that two nothing after they got the second goal, they just took their you know they took their they took their foot off the gas, and I know that that allowed for Nimes to to you know find a way into the game, and it's just we've seen it time and time again. They they we've seen PSG get off to a hot start only to take off their foot off the gas and and allow for a lesser club to to hang around, and you know again Mbappe you know steals the. Uh, Still's a victory away from for us. So it's it just uh, I think we're starting to win these games where you know a couple of years ago we'd either draw or, or somehow lose these games. So you know it's a it's a bittersweet way to win. I, I thought actually, and I, I know this is going to come as a shock to people since I'm apparently the Thomas, I'm apparently the head of the Thomas Tuchel fan club. I did not <laughs> like taking out Stanley and Soki in that. In that, uh, yeah. in that, I just didn't think that worked. I, I mean, Kerr wasn't bad in the sense that I thought he had his moments where he was good. He had that obvious moment where he fell over the ball, but we knew from the beginning that Kerr was going to be a project, and he's obviously still a project. So, what I didn't like about it was that it made them too defensive. And I think they should have kept Nsoki on because Nsoki was getting forward and he was making good runs. I really wasn't sure why he did that because it just seemed like it forced PSG back into their own end. And I think once Neem got that first goal, I thought PSG should have been aggressive in trying to attack and make it 3-1 rather than bringing in Kara to sort of solidify the defense. I mean, uh, I would to that, I would say I was watching before Nsoki got got uh, taken off um he was moving a little slow i don't know if it was an injury or something okay. he was he was he was moving a little slower than he was uh, in the first like uh in the first half so i don't know if that might have had anything to do with it but again to me i like the fact that we have a guy like Dilo Kara where if something does happen to our left back and Kazara's out we have somebody who we can put there to, to kind of shore up the defense, yeah, we won't be as offensive-minded with him there, but it's a good option to have. No, and I and I agree with that. There's a give and take to it, but I mean, it, it, and it's me just sort of my preference on how I would have liked to approach that, but if and so yeah. he wasn't 100%, then yeah, you take him off and you do what you have to do, but if and so he was capable, I, I just felt like they shouldn't have, it, it would sent a signal to sort of back off, and I thought Neem took advantage of that. Um Neymar, I thought, was pretty good, Eddie. I thought he, he – there were times, again, where he disappeared a bit in this game, mainly because yeah. of how PSG played it in the second half. Yeah. But when he was on the ball, I thought he was very good. He was on the ball, I thought. Yeah, no, he was, he was, uh, he was really good. I liked uh, his uh, starts the match. You know, we all saw uh, – he was creating chances. I think I, I really liked him, you know, playing behind Cavani. I think he's more – He's creating a lot more chances, and and obviously he got his his goal, you know, to open up the scoring, and um, you know, it's it's just he's he's becoming more comfortable, you know, in this new uh, system uh, under Tuchel. Yeah, I I feel like he's he's in a weird way like between him and Mbappe today, Neymar was sort of the more level-headed, mature one. Yeah. And I, I actually I, I enjoyed that PSG showed some spunk in this game, like Neymar going over to the Nimes crowd in the in the sign. I like little things like that from athletes where they notice something before a game. I'm sure he was warming up and he saw that sign and he yeah. knew if I score a goal, I'm going to go over to these motherfuckers yeah. and I'm going to yeah. start. Yeah. <laughs> and I just I, I thought that's what that's a good sign of killer instinct and a good sign that he's in tune with what's going on. And he 
helped settle that game down in the second half. Um, Marquinhos in the midfield, John. I, I, I'm more high on the potential of it. It's nowhere near um, ready to go. Like, they're going to have to go into Anfield in two weeks, and we'll get to the Champions League draw. They're going to have to go into Anfield in two weeks without Marco Verratti. And I think Marquinhos is probably the guy that they're going to put out there because he can kind of act as a third center back for them in a game where they're probably going to be more defensive anyway since it's at Liverpool and Liverpool are going to try to attack them at the start. But just sort of rate what you're seeing from Marquinhos as a center back. Uh, Not as a center back, as a midfielder so far. Because there's things I like and then there's things that obviously he needs to get better at if he's going to play that position. Uh, Eddie, I think John dropped off. Um, Eddie, you want to answer that? Yeah, 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 I'll, I'll jump in on that. Um, I, it's a work in progress. I mean, there's, there's times where it was, you know, you could start, you could tell it's an interesting experiment, um, that it's, that it's still in its early stages. I, I, there's glimpses where, he, where, where it looks like it's working, but then there's other instances where, okay, this looks like if we go to Anfield with this, uh, we might, you know, get run out of the stadium, but, you know, kudos to Tuco. He's still sticking with it. He's not switching out Marquinhos. He's letting him learn. You know, he's using these la- um, League One games to experiment, and and we'll just see in two weeks to see if it's ready to go. It's going to have to be ready to go in two weeks. So, um, you know, just keep using these you know few League One games, and and hopefully it's uh, sound and at least decent where PSG can put up a, a, punch, a puncher's chance. Yeah, and obviously when you have Neymar and Mbappe, you're going to have more than a puncher's chance anytime you play anybody. I don't think we're that less – like, I, I, and we'll get to it. I don't want to get to it too quickly. Yeah. I kind of want to stay yeah, on yeah. Uh, while we're waiting for John to get back on the line. Um, I I feel like um, – and I, I hate to talk bad about Thiago Silva while John is not here to defend him, but <laughs> Thiago Silva to me has always been sort of a mystery – in that technically in the box he is one of the best um, one of the best center backs that we have seen. Um, let's see, John, you on? John. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now I just have to figure out how to get Eddie on. Um, I don't know how I can merge the calls, but now Eddie's off. Uh, if you're listening to live audio, folks. This is live to tape. Uh, John, let's talk to you for a minute. Um, about Thiago Silva's performance, I thought Thiago Silva, you got, obviously Thiago Silva knows what he's doing in the box, but there was a bit of that, I guess we'll call it cautiousness, that you get with Thiago Silva sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think he is, um, He's at that point where he's not gonna uh, he's not gonna defend based off his speed or or you know any anything like that. It's gonna be more so about box awareness. But today he like he was thinking too much, and even before the penalty, I, I thought he didn't have a good game. There was a ball that that came into our half of the field, and um, he tried to like control it off his chest, and he just kind of misguided it. So, you know, I, it, was, it was definitely a shaky performance for him. And it's something that kind of goes into the conversation when you talk about what Kipembe did today. And I thought he was the best defensive player on the pitch. And he kind of picked up the silver slack today. So that's going to be something interesting to look forward to. But it was it was a little bit too cautious for me. He was thinking too much and uh, that doesn't bode well for him where he's already an aging defender yeah um Kimpembe was tremendous today I mean Presnell the third goal and Eddie I got you back on the line we had to do a little bit of magic there to make that work um I thought that Presnell Kimpembe saved PSG in that second half because they looked like they were shot like they looked like they had gone through that five ten minutes where they freeze up like they always do and they couldn't pull themselves out of it. But then Kimpembe made an aggressive play. Like yeah. 
He yes. stepped into a pl- – instead of the – and I hate to do this, John, but the instead of the Tiago Silva backpedal, you got the Preston <laughs> yeah. Pembe stepping up, intercepting the ball, dribbling it into space, long ball to Mbappe. Mbappe settles it and drills it into the back of the net. That saved PSG from a lot of embarrassment today. And I just felt like if they're going to play with a back three, it's pretty clear that Presnell has to be in the middle. I think the, the transition that has to happen now is Thiago Silva can still be on the field, but I think as a as the commanding presence, the physical presence in that defense, I think Kimpembe showed that he's he's just got it right now. Like he's he's got it physically, Eddie. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I've always liked about Presno Kempembe. He's a he's a very physical center back, and he's not afraid to go you know one on one and try to win a duel. Um, and we saw that today, and then and then he's showing you know his long ball ability you know to Mbappe. And I think this year he's I think he's going to take that step where you know he's the commanding guy in the center you know in the center back field, especially Marquinhos is up playing a defensive mid, it's going to be up to, you know, Presnel Kempembe to to try to, you know, galvanize the troops. And I think he's taking a, a little of a leadership role, and, and I like seeing all that from him. I'm I'm really high on him, and, and you know, this game is a sample of, of what to expect from him going forward. Yeah, I, I was impressed by that. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about Kylian Mbappe and his, the game he had. Again, and, and this is an unpopular opinion. And it's one of my many unpopular opinions that I've had this week. So I thought that um, he really needed to. I'm hearing a little background, guys. Um, I I really feel like he needed to make that statement in that moment. Now I'm not for players losing their mind and shoving the opponent all the time. Obviously, there's times where you shouldn't do it. There's situations in games where you shouldn't do it. If you're in the if you're in the Champions League quarterfinal game and it's two two, you probably shouldn't do that. If you're in the World Cup and you're Zinedine Zidane, you probably shouldn't do that. But this is the fourth game of the year against Nimes. You're getting chopped to death. The ref isn't doing anything about it. You're at the end of the game. You're up four two. And for no reason at all, a Nimes defender or a Nimes midfielder decides to clip you in the back of the ankle. For no reason. There's nothing he can gain from it. There's no way he can get back in the game. It's just a cheap play. And that player got a red card for that foul, by the way. So it wasn't like it was nothing. So Kylian Mbappe decides to make a statement, which is, and I'm cursing a lot on the show, but it's don't fuck with me. That's what he did. And sometimes in life, you have to stand up and be a man. And in that situation, it's a don't fuck with me, shove the guy down. Yeah, maybe he gets a three-game suspension. I doubt he gets three games. I think he gets two. If One or two. And I'll tell you what those two two games or those three games will be. It'll be at home against Saint-Etienne. I think they're at home against Saint-Etienne. They should be able to do that. They should be able to beat them without him. Then you go to Anfield. Mbappe is going to be rested and healthy for that. Then you have Stad Ren, which will be a tough game without him, but you can still win it. And then you have Stad Rim. So it's not like PSG are going to have to play OL or Marseille or Monaco without Kylian Mbappe. Yeah. So honestly, to me, the trade-off in that situation was worth it. I want to get your guys' thoughts on it because you may disagree with me, and I'm totally okay with that. But go ahead. Yeah, I'll I'll take it, John. Um, yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. I think at some point, I mean, we've seen games like this where where PSG gets they, they get hacked to death, and the ref either doesn't do anything or loses control of the match. And you know, at 19, he's still you know a kid in some of these players' eyes and. You know they want to they want to test them they want to push them and see if the kid's gonna push back and so you know it was it was you know I, I, like you said Neymar kept you know helped him keep his composure through the match um, and you know once they were up four two he finally just said you know what fuck it I, I'm tired of I'm tired of you guys just hacking at me and he shoved back and and I like to see that a little bit I mean not often but you know just to see that 
that he's not going to take, you know, any garbage from anyone right. and that he's, uh, you know, he, he you don't mess with him because he's going to push back. And so it was, I'm, I'm happy to see that. And, and obviously, you know, the goal to, to again, he's, you know, the deciding factor in helping PSG get a, get a, get a win that, you know, they, they technically don't deserve, but we'll take the three points. Uh, but yeah, that's that's just my analysis of, of his of his performance. John, yeah, I mean, I think uh, it starts with the uh, with the ref. I thought in the first half, early, like what twenty minutes into the first half, he lost complete control of the match. <laughs> it, it was like wild. A lot of things were happening. There was like balloons coming onto the field on the camera. Balloons are everywhere. Players are falling. Tuchel was losing his shit on the sideline. Neem's coach is, is yelling about something, and it, it was just a lot of chaos. And I think if the if the ref would have carded some PSG players even and and some of the Neem players early, he would have set a precedent, you know, for the rest of the match. And but you can see by him not carding those players, it became a physical match and throughout until till the 90th minute. And um, so it starts there. For that, and you know the the thing where Mbappe kind of rolls the ball, I don't like that. He doesn't need to do that, and I don't want him to become this Verratti type of player where every time he's drawn with the yeah. with the referee. Yeah, but but, but, you, know, but you know what? And I, and I'll say I, I don't mean, mean to interrupt. You know you know what it is though. You know the guy can handle himself. Like this is a player that it that was in the freaking World Cup. The guy handled himself in the World Cup with dignity, with class. He didn't do anything of that. He really didn't do anything of this ilk. And I've never seen him do anything like that in a Champions League game. The guy is intelligent. He's not a hothead. My my whole argument is that Mbappe is not this sort of Marco Verratti hothead. He's a guy that knows what he's doing, that he knew exactly in that moment what he was doing. And he decided, I'm going to do it anyway. And to me, that is that is why I say he made a statement. It's not that he lost control of himself. It's that he knew exactly what he was doing. He wanted to make that statement to the memes and to the ref. And he made it. And was it a bit selfish of him? Probably. Is he going to be out for two, three games? Probably. But he's not going to miss the game against Liverpool, which is the most important game of all. So it's not like he's made a decision that's going to p- cost PSG the championship. So I, I just right. I just look at it like, is it the right thing to do? No, but sometimes you just have to do that. And if you know the right situation, you can kind of get away with it. Um, let's just talk about the four games in totality, maybe even the five games. Yeah. Undefeated August for Thomas Tuchel. Um Highs and lows within the game, but overall, PSG are 4-0 in the league. They're up to 12 points out of a possible 12. They won the Trophy des Champions game against Monaco. Um, is PSG going in the right direction? And we'll get to this in the transfer window stuff, but is PSG headed in the right direction right now, Eddie? Yeah, I think I think they're heading in the right direction, but there's... For me personally, I'm still cautiously optimistic. Um, we've seen matches where, you know, Tuco's in-game adjustments help the team win. I mean, under Unai Emery, we either didn't see that or it was too late for any in-game adjustments, and PSG was either it, they were losing or it, it, the game was just over. Uh, so it's a, it's refreshing to see that having a manager that has a pulse on a match and can make the you know necessary in-game adjustments um other than that we're, we're seeing uh, you know again we, we don't have we're seeing experiments with the defensive midfield um obviously marquinhos it looks like it might be all season um other than that it's just hopefully you know our defense um is, is good enough for champions league and you know we're going to touch on that in a second but overall i'm cautiously optimistic of what you know what what's what lies ahead for PSG, John, I would say I'm. I think they're about where they need to be. I think this Anfield game is going to be a bit of a challenge, obviously, but we're still in September, and there's a lot of time. You don't obviously with the group that PSG are in, you can't afford to struggle too much early. 
but I, I just, I feel like they have at least somewhat of a grip on where they're going with this. So, John, just kind of, are, are you cautiously optimistic? I'm cautiously optimistic. Would you be three for three in the cautiously optimistic camp? Yeah, more, yeah, more than likely. Uh, I think they're, like you said, you know, they, they could be better. But again, we have to keep in mind that this is a new new experiment thing, right? But I feel like there's going to be a point where that can no longer be the excuse, right? If Tuchel, if something happens and they have a bad match against Saint-Étienne or even at Anfield, where it's like, well, they're still in the early stages. No, they need to figure that shit out right now. So I think today's match was the point where... Uh, all right, I'm no longer going to evaluate this from the perspective of he's still processing things, right? Like, I feel like today's match was their first real test, in my opinion, even though they've been tested in the first four matches. But today was the first real one. And from this point on, I feel like they 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 have a good grip, uh, grasp of what Tuchel wants. And it's also important that Virati plays in the match against Etienne so that he can be ready for the Liverpool match. So well, also, like just remember, though, John, just remember, he's not going to be in the Liverpool match because of uh, his, he's suspe- Yeah, yeah, he's suspended. Which yeah, is, yeah, why, which yeah, is yeah, why we're doing this Marquinhos well, thing in the first place. Very true. And, and I honestly think Marquinhos has been playing very well in that, in that defensive role. I think... I think it's important for Rabio also to realize why Marquinhos is there because I feel like sometimes he's feeling like he has to stay back a little bit to give Marquinhos defensive support where Marquinhos is there for that exact reason so he can push up a little higher. And I would like Rabio to, to push up a little higher in that sense. But overall, I think they're, you know, they're in line what they want to do, you know, a big match is coming up in, at Anfield, and, and uh, I think they're, you know, they're on the heading to the heading to the right direction. Yeah, and now we'll transition into what some are calling the worst transfer window of all time. I spent the entirety of yesterday arguing with people, some cordially, some not so cordially. Mark was on fire yesterday. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I'm, I'm at work and I go on my break and I see Mark just picking fights with things. Yeah, he was on fire. <laughs> no, it's 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 and it's not because people are stupid, but it's that uh, definitely not because people are stupid. But when it comes to football, people they don't they don't allow themselves to take a ten thousand foot look. They're so yeah. deep into yeah. it, and they're so burrowed uh-huh. into the weeds. And it's that old saying, you can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah. It basically means that you're looking at these minor details without examining sort of the big picture of what exactly is going on. Now, I'm going to monopolize some of the time here because I feel like I need to say some of these things and then kind of let them be. But yeah. PSG couldn't do much. And whether Antero Henrique or Nasser thought that they were going to be able to do more is sort of irrelevant in the sense that uh, UEFA never allowed PSG any sort of clarity as to what exactly they could or could not do. Essentially, if you think of it like a metaphor, imagine going through life with somebody to your right with a gun pointed at your head and you're not completely sure what will trigger that person to pull the trigger and kill you but there's going to be something you do that have that leads that person to pull the trigger on you it's that it's that uncertainty you walk through life with a gun at your head and you're very cautious and you're sure to not do anything wrong to not anger that person with the guns to try to live your life the best way you can, but you still have a gun to your head. And in PSG's case, for the entirety of this transfer window, UEFA has put a gun to their head. And by opening up that organization, that sorry, by opening up that investigation again, after saying that PSG were cleared and forcing them to sell 50 million euros worth of players, they put the gun back at PSG's head. And at that point, it was almost impossible for PSG to make solid decisions because you weren't really sure. Could you pay 40 million euros for Wendell? We don't know. 
Um, can we sell Gonzalo Geddes for enough money to offset whatever we spend? Oh, we don't know. We're going to try to get a lot for him, but we don't know what we can get. Um, all these guys on our bench that make a decent amount of money, can we keep them? Well, maybe we shouldn't keep them. Maybe we should trim the roster down. Maybe it's best for the financial fair play that if we trim this roster down a bit and have more players on smaller contracts, we'll be able to pass through it. It's one of the reasons you, you don't see Javier Pastore around. Yuri's not around. Lachelso is not around because eventually if you were going to keep him, you were probably going to have to pay him. And they did what they had to do to, I think, hold off financial fair play, at least for now. And what they got was essentially Kevin Trapp's replacement. And I'm sorry, I'm going to take Gianluigi Buffon over Kevin Trapp any day. And you saw yeah. what Alphonse Ariola did today. Ariola was tremendous today. Yeah. And you, now you have two great goalkeepers who can both play. I don't think there's anyone here that I'm talking to that would think that Ariola going into Anfield is some disadvantage. I think we all think. Do we all? I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Do we all think Ariola can do fine at Liverpool? Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah. I mean, we we uh, no offense, Bob, but we saw him be the best player for for PSG at the Bernabeu. That that match, I for me, he was the best player until you know PSG collapsed the last seven minutes. So I have no doubt that he can perform at Anfield. Yeah. yeah. So to me, it's like you got a backup though. In case one of those guys gets hurt or one of those guys gets suspended, remember Buffon suspended for the first three Champions League games, you have two very more than capable goalkeepers. You bought a versatile defensive player in Tilo Kerr, who's a project, but he's a guy that can give you good quality league on minutes. He's probably not going to play in the Champions League a lot, but... For what he is right now at the age of 21, he's got a lot of potential to turn into a quality center back in PSG's setup, which yeah. they need because Thiago Silva in two years is not going to be here. And next year, there's a very good chance Thiago Silva takes an elder statesman role and doesn't really play that much at all. You also got a, a value left back, a guy who three years ago, Pep Guardiola, if we all respect Pep Guardiola's ability to make um, make decisions, yeah. he liked Juan Bernat. He brought Juan Bernat to Bayern Munich. He played him a lot. Pep leaves, and Ancelotti puts him on the bench. And then Nico Kovac, and then the other guy, the 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 I know the guy who coached them last year after they fired yeah. Ancelotti. Pankis. Yeah, Pankis. Thank you. Um, yeah. So. It's not that Juan Bernat's a scrub. It's that he got buried in that team with a lot of great players. There's a lot of PSG players over the years that were brought in to start. You know, the coach changed, and all of a sudden they're now on the bench. So, to me, paying 15 million euros for Juan Bernat to be your starting left back while Levin Kurzawa gets surgery again, with Stanley and Soki backing him up, and Soki's been really good so far, I'm good with that. And then you have yeah. my favorite signing of all, Chapo Trap. <laughs> and I, I, here's the thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw to you on this, Eddie, because I'm done hearing myself yeah. talk. Um, yeah. The vitriol and the anger, just the pure anger of people <laughs> over signing Chapo Trap House, to me, is absurd. You are signing a backup. He is there to sit on the bench play the last 10 minutes of league on games and start some cup matches. That's it. That's all he's there to do. Because what yep. you had before that was Cavani starting at the striker position, the nine. And then when Cavani wasn't around, Mbappe would start at the nine. So right now he's basically the third string backup nine. Because if Cavani's not available for a Champions League game, they're not putting in Chapo Trap House. They're putting it yeah. in. They're putting in Mbappe at the nine. So it's not like yeah. this guy's ever going to play in a Champions League game. We got him for nothing, no money, and yet people are yeah. so caught up in complaining and bitching that yeah. they're complaining about essentially buying a paper towel. You know, buying a thing of paper towels. Like who cares? 
They were half off. Who gives a crap? <laughs> they were half off. <laughs> no, but hey, yeah. am I wrong here? No, you're not wrong. And I'm going to go on my own little rant here. It's just, we've, as PSG supporters, we've, we've been spoiled. Like, we've been spoiled with high spending, nice new toys. And some of these new toys end up on the bench being dead weight. I'd rather have Chapo Trap House mm. making little to no money or, you know, compared to Hartem Ben Afra sitting on the bench making high wages and just not doing anything for the, for the squad. Um, and it's just this, 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 you know, like you said, people need to take a step back, understand the circumstances. Don't listen to people who have no knowledge of the club, who don't follow the club closely, don't have connections with the club. It's just, just this last couple of weeks, these transfer rumors just, or these trans, this transfer window just, you know, kind of aged me because it's tiring to see people wanting all this stuff but not realizing the PSG are under investigation. Any move they make, they need to offset it. And, you know, this year, I, I, I'm right, I, I just finished up an article. This this is under the Qataris. This was the first year that they that they brought in over $100 million in, like, selling players, whether it be loans or actual sales. And they've never done this before. They needed to yeah. offset everything they, they, you know, they needed to offset as much as a Kylian Mbappe transfer, which people forget. I do not understand why people are forgetting that. That happened as soon as the transfer window opened. PSG needed to make that payment. And, you know, let's not touch on this, the ridiculous payment stuff that no, was no, going no, on last start, week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, start. you know, it's just that, that, that played a huge part. Like, that, I don't, I, like I said, people for, or forgot that transfer happened as soon as the, it opened. And it's just, uh, like, like I said, it's just, you know, it, we've, we've been spoiled and I don't want, to support. It's one of the reasons why I love being supporting PSG is because the supporters don't act like Premier, you know, League fanboys or La Liga fanboys and expect new toys every or for outrageous amount of money. And you know, we were under investigation this summer, and there's nothing we could do. So you know, we're, there was a witch hunt led by you know Javier Tebas, and it's just you got to step a step back and understand why the club couldn't do much. Would you say that rich? Would you say that witch hunt was rigged? Oh, it's a totally it, yeah. rigged witch it's, hunt. It's 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 the, it's the old boys. It's the no, old it's boys funny. wanting it, to keep it, you know. It's funny though. I I think they're right. This was a uh, this is a rich. It is a witch hunt, but you know, it's it, I wouldn't say it's a Russia investigation witch hunt. I think that has I think yeah. that has much more validity than the. Uh, <laughs> and the, then the FFP, yeah. by, the FFP thing did. John, yeah, ch- chime in for us, John. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's uh, it's actually fascinating that people find any problem with what Enrique or or, or Nasser have have done with, like, particularly Enrique, like, right? Like, his first season as our sporting director, he brings in fucking Neymar and Kylian Mbappe. He has to do a lot of bad things <laughs> to discredit that those those moves right so it's like the only thing i can knock on him this transfer window is again we didn't get a six but that's it other than that he's 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 fighting against you for like you said he literally has a gun to his head while making these moves and 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 this is the first transfer window where i feel like we got we got you know players who um who aren't all you know the biggest star or or for somebody who's like a high value player, we're getting good pieces for depth because when it comes to all these competitions PSG playing, we're in like four competitions a year. It's important to have depth. It's important to rest guys like Neymar, Cavani, and Mbappe, and all these guys. So these guys that he's bringing in, they're going to be there when you need them to be. They're not going to be the guys that we're going to play uh, every match. They're going to be there for for the cut matches and and to come on as substitutes. So I think it, it's really. Um, it's 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 crazy and it is nonsense that people are are even mad at anything Enrique has done thus far. Again, like he has to do a lot for me to to discredit what he did by pulling off that Neymar and Mbappe move. That alone is fascinating. So like there isn't anything that I've seen that he's done that discredits that. So it, it, it comes down to we you know like Gaby said we're spoiled and we've gotten all these big name stars and they just want to keep piling on. And it's like people don't read. 
people to like are you not you're not conscious of this FFP oh. thing that that's out every week like what, what are, are you blind like you know what I mean so it's you know it, it's nonsense but we, we get it and um it is what it is and I, I think he's done a hell of a job and you know in my opinion yeah. with, due to the circumstances he's been on yeah and let's remember Henrique is not a player guy he's not a personnel guy he's a money guy right. and part of his job and main part of his job is to make sure that when PSG make big signings like they did last year that they can make it work in the bank account his job yeah. this summer was to sell people and he sold people and let's talk about some of those people that he sold because one of the other uproars was the sale of Argentinian attacking midfielder Giovanni Lachelso. And there are some people who I think were holding Viking funerals in their backyards for <laughs> the loss of Giovanni Lachelso. But to, sometimes, and this is what this happens a lot in American sports, not as much in it happens in world sports, but it happens a lot in American sports. You'll have an organization draft a player, number, you know, let's say the second or the third pick. And they look like they have some talent and they have some quality. But then the coach gets fired. And they bring another coach and a GM in. And they want their player in that spot as opposed to the player that the old guy drafted. So, LaCelso is a victim of the of a new regime coming in wanting to do something else, wanting to play a different way. And Giovanni LaCelso did not fit into that plan. So it's almost that simple. It doesn't even really need analysis. It doesn't matter how good you think he is. If the coach who's coaching the team says that I don't need him, why keep him on your bench? I mean, quite frankly, Tuchel was using Musa Diaby over Giovanni LaCelso. He was using Nkunku over LaCelso. He's using Draxler over LaCelso. There just isn't room for him to get significant minutes. And part of the issue that PSG have had for so many years was that they would just keep guys for the sake of keeping guys. And you'd have this bench full filled with star players that never got in the game. And it's just a waste of money. It's value over role. Right now, Musa Diaby is probably going to take whatever minutes Giovanni Lachelso was going to get. And you've got to pay Musa Diaby less, right? Like, it's almost that simple to me. It's the same thing with Yuri. Like, you can pay Yuri a lot of money to be your backup left back, or you can not pay Stanley and Soki really anything at all, and he can be your backup left back. Like, sometimes, yeah. I, I, I've said this before, and Eddie, jump in when I'm done here, but yeah. I feel like there are too many fans who... Uh, Say who kind of um, how do I put this? There are too many fans who fancy themselves as amateur tactics experts. Yeah. They watch YouTube, they listen to the pundits, and they go, "I know tactics." Now, right now, PSG are playing in a four-two-three-one, and they're pinching in their left and their right backs, and then they're circling <laughs> this guy in, and then that guy's running back, and then the nine is really playing as a six, but it's really a false nine, yeah. but he's playing as an yeah. eight. And it's just all this stuff that they don't know anything really about, that they know somewhat about. Look, I coached coached high school football for five years. It doesn't mean I could go into the NFL and (laughs) call plays for Aaron Rodgers. It's just, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's levels to this. And I feel like there's so many people that are just tactics experts. They know tactics. They know the game so much that that they know better than the coach. But they don't know the basic, simple economics of the sports that they watch. And if you knew the economics, you would live a lot better of a life. You'd be a lot more relaxed. You'd understand why things are happening. As opposed to yelling about, well, Giovanni Luchelso is very good. Why do we sell him? Because we don't need him. And economically, it makes more sense for Musa Diaby to be there than it does Giovanni Luchelso. And we get 30 million euros for him next year. Yeah. Win-win. Lachelso gets to play. Yeah. We don't have to pay him anymore. Works for me, Eddie. Works for me. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna chime in with my half or my one semester of economics class here, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's something people don't understand, and and I see tweets, and and it's just people do understand that you know we just can't spend money just to spend money. I mean, there's uh, there's a you know like we've touched on it's financial fair play, and and it's just. I think we we finally seen the light as a club. We we rather have young players making less money or bargains making less money than having high priced players like a Kokowiak or a Benafra sitting on the bench taking up making high wages and doing nothing. So you know it's it's fine. It's 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 good to see now that the club's actually thinking economically, and you know it's it's going to take the fan base some time to realize what they're doing. Not everybody likes looking at numbers and math and, and, you know, doing with dollars and cents, you know, people rather just try to be amateur tactic experts because that's more, a lot more simpler than trying to find out what's the budget, how much is this making, you know, all the dollars and cents, you know, and you touched on it. Uh, I think yesterday on the tweet, Mark, you touched, we're, we're in a cap, we're capped out, you know, like the NBA has a cap, we're capped out, we're at the max. We can't go any further and the team you see now is the team going forward, and and I think that's again we we've been spoiled and money has never been an issue. And now that money has you know now that there's a a, a drain or you know they 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 cut off the the pipe and and it's just people are, are don't know how to react to it. Yeah, and I think what people have to realize too is that in 2019, there's actually a couple things about this, and I I've tweeted this too, so I, I won't stay too long about it. In 2019, PSG are probably going to be able to make around 150 million euros worth of sales if they want to. That's without selling Neymar or Mbappe. Just let's play theoretically. So with about 150 million euros, you think with that money, you'll probably buy a midfielder. And you'll probably be able to buy a pretty decent one. If you want to try to go for Conte, you'll probably pay 130, which means you won't have a lot left to fix the other parts of the team. But at this point, you pretty much have... A whole team together. Ingolo Conte goes where Rabio went, and you you kind of go from there. You could do it that way, or you could, if and I'll put it like this too: Neymar is an annuity. Eventually, you are going to sell him. You are not going to let him go for free, and you're probably not going to let him go in his fourth year, because then teams will just wait a year and Neymar will leave for free, and there's no reason for Neymar to to leave in the last year of his deal. PSG, if they are econo- if they're thinking about this economically, and if they do think about it economically, Neymar will probably be leaving in his third year. So this year and then next year. And Mbappe would probably... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm projecting, but I'm projecting for a reason. This is going somewhere, folks. Mbappe will probably extend for a couple years just to give PSG five, six years of him because I don't think he has to go anywhere yet. He's still 19. So he'll be around until he's 24, 25 years old, right in the prime. PSG have nearly 800 million euros worth of transfer money in Neymar and Mbappe. So when those annuities come due, Whenever those annuities come due and you cash them in, PSG are going to have so much money you will have no idea what to do with it. And they will be able to spend money to get a complete full club. That you won't have these holes, probably. And yes, the fans will have to wait three, four years. But in the meantime, you still have a really good chance to win the Champions League with Neymar and Mbappe. And when they leave, because of the money they'll bring to the club you'll still have a really good chance of winning the Champions League. PSG have a good 10-year window right now to win the Champions League. It's not, oh, if we lose it this year, it's over. There's a good, if PSG run their business right, there's a 10-year window of time where they will be able to compete for the Champions League at the highest level. That's why I'm not panicking. That's why I'm not complaining. Because I'm taking a much bigger view of all of this. And that's how I am as an analyst. I like to look at things from the big picture. And I know it pisses people off. I know people want, you know, Daddy, I want the toy truck and I want it now. I get that. But 
if you're going to be um, if you're going to be a informed fan, you have to be willing to step back and just look at this through a different lens. Um, we okay. We sold the Chelsea. Uh, John, did you have anything on the Chelsea? Any parting words for the young Argentinian? <laughs> no, it's. Uh, I think it, it is what it is. Is you gotta um, you gotta live with it. it. He gets playing time. I honestly think he's more of like a La Liga player, his style of play. So and he's gonna get those minutes again, and then he's on loan, right? So, but it might end up with an being something. Right, with the option, it might end up being something like Gonzalo Guedes, where they fall in love with him, and he finds his team. You know, just, just so you know, I, I, I don't, I don't take it much more than what it is. You, you live with those type of things. Tuchel, you know, doesn't seem fit in the system, and that's it. <laughs> There's nothing else to say. Yeah, um, let's go over the other sales. We, we've talked about most of these, so we won't go into them. But Pastore off to Roma. Um, Odson Edward went to Celtic. I'm doing this off the top of my head, so this might be a little uh, choppy. Uh, Jean-Christophe Bonbach has finally left for good. He is at uh, FC Utrecht in the Netherlands. Um, Yuri Berchiche off to Real Sociedad. Um, I'm trying to go through it in my head. Um, anybody want to help me out? We'd be more than welcome. Uh, Hatem Yuri, Yuri went to yeah, Balboa, that, that he? I did. I got that. Yeah, yeah, he went to Athletic. Yeah, he went to Athletic. Not, yeah. not Sociedad, Athletic? Oh, no, yeah. he, he was sold from Real Sociedad. That's Sociedad, what I yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think Hesse and PSG are going to mutually part ways. Hatem Benarfa and PSG Ugh. are not going to mutually part ways. Benarfa thinks, he can, <laughs> Benarfa thinks he can sue PSG. Good luck with that. Um, uh I think that's about it. Those are the major ones. Yeah, um, those are the. Yeah, I think the that's about ones. it. So, um, transfer window's over. Thank goodness. I would give it about a C plus, which to me, given the circumstances, is what it needed to be. Your letter uh-huh. grade, Eddie? Uh, yeah, about B minus C plus. I mean, you gotta again examine it through the lens that they had to work under. Uh, you know, they got some solid depth. Got rid of some some pieces that they needed to get rid of. Overall, for me, you know, B minus. Um, what about you, John? Yeah, I'll say about about a C plus. Like again, I think this is this is not the transfer window where we brought in Hesse, Krakowiak, and you know that transfer window. That almost set like, the club like back said, five a, years. It was that bad. It was a catastrophe. <laughs> exactly. And the good thing about and, this, and, sorry to interrupt, John, but the good thing about this is yeah, none of these good. guys cost a lot. So right. it's it's that, low risk, high reward. That's the point. Like these guys aren't like, like Eddie said, they they're not going to cost the team major wages. You know, if you're going to bring in that many players who aren't, you know, the, the most skilled or the most high value, you know, the least don't pay them a whole bunch of money to just sit on the bench. So from that perspective, and then given the, the FFP situation, I would give it like a C plus B minus. Yes, and I would like to assure our listeners that we're expecting a much more negative reaction to the transfer window. That PSG talking will be coming about two, three days after this podcast. So if you would like to hear the negative uh, opinion of what PSG did in this transfer window, they will, uh, I'm pretty sure knowing the people involved, you will be more than satisfied. Um, All right, Champions League. Um, We had the draw on Thursday, the most ridiculous over-the-top celebration of UEFA's own greatness. Um, And I, I, I sent out a tweet the day before. Uh, I would be stunned if PSG didn't get Liverpool. And of course they got Liverpool Liverpool, because you knew that was happening. Once you know that PSG were drawn first, you just knew, okay, shenanigans. We're about to have some shenanigans. And uh, the uh, full extent of the shenanigans are a group consisting of Paris Saint-Germain, Napoli, Liverpool and Red Star Belgrade, the former Red Star Belgrade. Now they're a name that I refuse to learn, so I'm going to call them Red Star Belgrade. Um, yeah. Initial impressions of the group, John. Um, group uh, for the for group C. C. We're group um, C. C. We're group yeah. C. Yeah, we're in group C. I, I like I like it. Um. Again, it's I always fall back in, on on the we we kind of as PSG just kind of 
kind of walks through everything. And then when it comes to the Champions League, and now all of a sudden you have to play tough. So there's at least there's going to be two mad two, you know, two opponents that's going to give us a a, a tough matchup. And from a neutral, like just that from a football fan standpoint, like just to get to to kind of see how the trio of Cavani, Neymar, and Mbappe goes up against Firmino, Mane, and Salah, I think that's going to be a fascinating uh, matchup. And, you know, you got the Jurgen Klopp and Thomas Tuchel um, matchup going there. So, so I think it's going to be um, it's going to be a group, a good group. To be quite honest, without the Red Star team, this can literally be the group of death. Right, like it would like if if we had like a Porto or another team right there that could like Group C could be the group of death. So from that perspective, it's gonna be we're gonna see PSG get challenged early, and um, you know I don't I'm not you know I'm not one of those people who are who who don't like Liverpool. You know a lot of people don't like Liverpool for their reasons, but I think they're a formidable opponent and they can win this group just like PSG. Can but I do think PSG are the favorites, but um, it's going to be a fun, a fun group to watch. And again, I think it could be the group of death without that Red Star team there. Um, Eddie, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think PSG are the favorites by a slight margin. I do think I, I for me, Liverpool and, and PSG are the two teams that will advance. Um, in what order? We'll you know we'll we'll get to see that play out. Um, Napoli, I've seen two other matches against uh, Lazio and AC Milan. I I just do not like Carlo Ancelotti as a manager. I have I, I, I don't see... They'll give PSG maybe a game in Naples, but I just... I don't see them being that big of a formidable opponent. Uh, you know, they've, they've come from behind against AC Milan and Lazio. Um, two teams that PSG is superior, and so they can't, you know, they were they can't expect to fall back or you know fall down early to PSG and expect to do what they did against those teams. And you know, I'm just excited for that first game against Liverpool. Um, it's it's going to be a tough matchup, especially with no Buffon and, and Verratti. But you know, I, I do expect them to get a draw at least. I mean, Tuchel isn't isn't um isn't a you know he's not scared of the big lights I mean two years ago he went into Dortmund you know he went with Dortmund to the Bernabeu and got a draw yeah. so you know he's he, he can perform or he can manage under the big lights so you know I don't I don't get this narrative that PSG will be intimidated going into Anfield no it's not an intimidation thing I feel like the issue with that game, and I'll, let me just go through the games quickly. The first game is going to be yeah. on the road at Anfield. The second will be at home against Red Star. The third will be at home against Napoli. The fourth will be on the road at Napoli. The fifth will be at home against Liverpool. And then the sixth and final game will be on the road against Red Star. And that will take you all the way into early December. I It's not that P, and it's never that PSG... And this is the, the thing people don't understand. PSG are never intimidated. It's not an intimidation thing. It's a it's a concentration and a mentality thing. I think people mistake mentality for not being intimidated. You can have a great mentality going into the game. You can have a great mentality for 70 minutes. But when something happens, can you can you pull yourselves together? And make the simple, easy decisions and mitigate the risk. For example, you saw what happened against Nîmes. The thing that, and this is where I, I start yelling at people, it's not the midfield. Let me yell it again. It's not the midfield. Sorry about that, guys, but I just had to yell that <laughs> third time. No, it's not the it. midfield. We've had great midfields in the past. We had Tiago Mata, Blaise Matuidi, Marco Verratti, dominant, imposing midfield, balanced, well-structured. And you know what? The same shit happened. It's not it, – yes, could we have a better midfield? Absolutely. Yeah. Of course we could have a better midfield. You know what? Liverpool could have a better midfield. They're playing with James Milner and Nabi Keita. 
Nabi Keita is a very good player, but he is not world class. He is not a top level midfielder in the world. Not yet. Neither is James Milner. God imagine they try to throw Fabinho in there. Fabinho is not world class. The only teams in Europe, to me, with world-class midfields right now are Barcelona and Real Madrid. And Barcelona's midfield can even be questioned slightly if it's a little bit old, a little bit long yeah. in the tooth, a little young at plot. A little young, a little old. This is not a situation where it's like, oh, PSG have no midfielders. No, they have midfielders. Their names are Marco Verratti and Adrian Rabio. In the, in the way that... In the, in the way that... Uh, PSG play, those are the only two midfielders that are going to be on the field. Everyone else is going to be wingers or forwards or wingbacks or centerbacks. So whatever midfielder you could buy, you're not putting them in over Verratti or over Rabio. Now, if you get guys injured, then yeah, you're going to be in trouble. But you don't pay 35, 40 million euros for a midfielder that you have to put behind glass and break the glass when somebody gets hurt. That's like buying two houses in case one of the houses burns down. Think about that. Let that analogy just seep in a little bit. Somebody says, oh, I already have a house, but let me buy another house just in case this house burns down so that I can just go live in the other house. How stupid is that? So the issue is not that they don't that they have a mid they don't have a midfield, therefore they're gonna lose the Champions League. Their issue is there are five 10-minute spurts where PSG collapse mentally. And they did it against Real Madrid last year. Yeah. A lot of that was more Real Madrid doing good things, but still PSG could have been better. Um, also, you had the 6-1. You know who they had in, in the midfield in that 6-1? They had Adrian Rabio, they had Marco Verratti, and I believe they had Blaise Matuidi in that game. Yeah. Something like that. They had a good midfield. It's not like they didn't have a good midfield on the field then. How do you how do you how do you blame it on the midfield? How do you blame the six one on the midfield? This is about mentality. It's always been about mentality. And if you go into Anfield in two weeks with a good mentality to play ninety minutes, full mental capacity, don't turn your brain off, don't make a panic decision. When you're in your own half and Liverpool are pressing you, it is okay once in a while to kick the ball really deep and reset the game and force Liverpool to play out of their own back. You don't have to play back heels and flips in your own end. And that's what angered me today, was that PSG were playing back heels in their own end in a game where Neem were coming on strong when what they should be doing is just being confident and decisive. Just be decisive in your own end. Make the right pass. Don't make speculative passes. Don't make forced passes. Make the right pass, and if the right pass isn't there, you kick it away. It's like it's like the NFL. It's okay to punt sometimes. You don't have to go yeah. for it every fourth yeah. down. You can punt, and you can pin yeah, another don't. team back. It's field position. And I think that if they get a draw at Anfield, and I think that's possible, and I think they can win the game. You have Neymar and Mbappe on the field. You're, of course you can win the game. Yeah. If they if they draw out of that game at the very least, they're going to probably go through. I, I can't imagine them not going through. Because Napoli, to me, is good, not great. I think they were better last year. I don't think Don Carlo is a kind of a manager that can outthink Tuchel. So I'm thinking PSG probably, I would say finish second only because I think that Liverpool will uh, pop up the goal differential. But we'll see. Either way, it doesn't matter as long as they get through. Yep. Um, anything else about the draw in general you guys want to say before we uh, before we end this thing? Uh, you got anything, John? Um, for me, I, I like the I like the fact that a Monaco can finish second in Group A because you know Dortmund are a little shaky, and Lyon can finish second in Group F, Group F, uh, second to Man City because you have uh, Hoffenheim and Shakhtar Donetsk. So you know, just from a league and perspective, you know, this can be one of those seasons where we have uh, more French teams in the later stages of the Champions League and 
that's always a good thing. All right. Um, so, uh, you guys want to do some plugs before we go? Eddie, plug your Twitter, and then John, plug your Twitter, anything you guys are working on. Sure. Uh, uh, you can follow me at Eddie1999Razo. Uh, currently, I just submitted uh, an article just taking an examination of PSG's transfer window um, through an economics, uh, you know, 101 basic standpoint, try to hit home what we just talked about, saying that, you know, they can only do so much with the amount of money at their at their disposal. Um, other than that, just look out for that. It should be out either before you hear this or a little bit after. Perfect, John. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can follow me at God for short. G-O-D-F-R-S-H-O-R-T on Twitter. Uh, I'm also working on a, a piece right now on um, related to the transfer window, and it's about and Tara Enrique, and it's funny because I, I started working on it like last week before uh, this, you know, the transfer uh, window closed, and you know, I didn't know people felt that way <laughs> about the transfer window. So I'm not going to change anything. I'm just going to kind of add some more perspective on why it's not such a bad transfer window given the circumstances uh, that uh, you know Tara Enrique has been has been dealt with. So. Uh, yeah, just be on the lookout for that and, you know, some other cool stuff that we're doing. All right, perfect. So, for Eduardo Razo and John Olangi, this has been PSG Talk contributor Mark Damon saying au revoir for now.